Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations from the C-Suite, the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and it is almost time to begin our next episode. But you know how we always get it started. We want to make sure that we are not having a conversation by ourselves. So now is the time for you to share. You know, we like to invoke the power of three. I would love if you would invite at least three people or share it out to at least three groups because we're going to have another powerful conversation about dealing with the monuments that we make to disappointment. So I know you don't want to be disappointed by missing out on this powerful conversation. So take a few minutes, invoke the power of three, and we will begin our broadcast shortly. So hang tight and invite. Well, good day, everyone. Hello and welcome to this exciting episode of Conversations from the C-Suite. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and it is my pleasure to be here with you in the C-Suite where you can learn how to be the CEO of you because we know that every woman needs to be the CEO of her life. She needs to have a seat at the table because when a woman has a seat at the table, not only can she make decisions for herself, but she gets to create a seat for someone else. And Conversations from the C-Suite is a power-packed hour that provides women a platform to discuss the real issues that real women face, because we know life doesn't end when we leave the office. And you know what? CEOs don't just wait on great things to happen. They make great things happen. That's why the word is chief executive officer. We want to focus on getting things done. Why in the C-suite, you may ask? Well, because the C-suite is where the decisions are made. In any company, all of the power begins in the C-suite. And each of us has a C-suite in our own lives. It's where we have the power to create the life we desire and deserve. So that's why whether you report to a CEO or you are the CEO of your own company, you need to remember that you are always the CEO of you. Now, what does that CEO do? We know CEOs make great things happen. Well, 
they make CEO moves. Now, you may be a CEO on the rise, meaning you're just getting started with making your CEO moves. You've decided to be the CEO of you, or maybe you're trying to figure out, hey, what am I supposed to do? You're in the right place. You may also be a CEO on the move, meaning you've been at this for a little while, but you need to get a little stronger to perform a little bit better. And you need some little, a little bit more knowledge about how to be the best CEO of you. And then you may be the CEO. But here's the thing, regardless of where you are in your journey to the C-suite, you can always take it to the next level. Because remember, number one is followed by number two. So if you really want to stay number one in your life, whatever that means to you, you've got to stay on the move, which is why we are dedicated to making sure that you feel something, you learn something, but most of all, you got to do something, baby. That's right. You've got to take action. Your decisions begin in your mind, but they come to life through your actions. So we're going to help you to make those CEO moves. We want you to create those circles of influence to elevate yourself by educating and empowering you. And then finally, operationalize what you learn so that you can optimize your outcome. Because if all you do is take notes and feel good and, and, and say rah-rah, then you're not going to stay in the C-suite. You may not even get there because it's all about the CEO moves that you make. So are you ready? I hope you are. I'm really excited about this episode as I'm excited about each episode because we are doing some great things, having powerful conversations with some powerful women. And we've got a powerhouse in the lobby waiting to join us during this episode. So tonight we're going to talk about disappointment. Okay. Everybody experiences disappointment in some kind of way. And, you know, we have been discussing relationships over the past few episodes because the very first move in making CEO moves is creating your circles of influence, which means developing relationships with other people. And if you know, like I know, you know that at some point, other people are going to disappoint you. They may disappoint you because they don't do something or they may disappoint you when they do do something. Or just as a person, you may face disappointments that influences and impacts your relationships with others. But, you know, facing disappointment is almost as inevitable as change. And that's not being pessimistic. That's just recognizing that sometimes we have different expectations than the actual outcomes that occur. So that what does that mean? We get disappointment. But, you know, you got to do disappointment like you do a dirty diaper. You just got to wipe that mm, off and keep it moving. So that's what we are going to focus on in this episode is learning how to master disappointments so that our disappointments don't end up being like a stinky diaper and just funking up the rest of our life. So I'm excited to bring to the C-suite, to the stage, none other than my dear friend, Kim Warren Martin. We met, I guess, about two years ago. Maybe it hadn't even been a full two years, but I have just had a, it's been a wonderful time getting to know her as a person 
as well as a master at what she does in business and in life. So let me just tell you a little bit about Kim Warren Martin, who will be joining us shortly. She has had a successful long-term career in the technology industry, but she always wondered, is this all there is? And so in 2013, she courageously walked away from corporate America to find the answer to that. And today she is an illustrative speaker, Amazon number one best-selling author who is committed to helping successful women find fulfillment, significance, and answering that burning question, is there more? She helps them to master their relationship with disappointment, to take those big, bold steps and experience a rebirth in their life and business. So join me in welcoming to the C-Suite none other than my dear friend, Kim Warren Martin. Hey, girl. Hey, <laughs> Dr. Barnes. <laughs> How are you? I am doing um, extraordinary, as uh, one of my uh, uh, business partners says, and getting better by the minute. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. So, of course, I have shared with the audience you know, who you are in terms of your bio, but we want to know the real Kim Martin. So I always like to start with asking the who, the what, and the why. Tell us who's the real Kim Martin, what it is that you do, mm -hmm. and why you make the CEO moves. And I forgot to tell everybody, make sure you have your favorite beverage. <laughs> so this is a time for conversations. I brought my wig. My favorite. <laughs> So who am I, the who, the what, the why? Yes. So I am, let me just kind of start here, I guess. Um, so I uh, grew up, I'm an Arkansas native, uh, so I'm a Southern girl. Yeah. And uh, I was number one, I still am number one of four girls. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was a role model uh, for them, whether I wanted to be or not. And uh, when I was growing up, I loved the arts. And so I was absolutely convinced that my distinct and legitimate reasons for being on the planet were singing and dancing on Broadway and acting in movies in Hollywood. And um, my parents actually called me into the living room one evening and said, uh, you know, they've been reading in the Wall Street Journal about uh, careers in technology and engineering, and that those were going to be some of the most lucrative, uh, long-term careers going forward. So mm -hmm. since I was a role model, I'm the oldest, they were going to send me to engineering school. So you know, the only thing I could think of, I, I call it my Charlie Brown moment because I was like, it was like, blah, 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 like totally not in alignment with what I got. And uh, and I was just thinking, you know, they don't give Oscars. They don't give Tonys. Yeah. Things in engineering school. Right. Right. Um, but I, you know, I, I rejected. And uh, in my day or with my parents or maybe it was just my family. But, you know, you kind of. You know, you you could do your rejecting, but actually, I fell in line. They put me in the car and they took me to school, <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, and so I figured, hey, since I have to be here, uh, let me do it well. Let me do it as quickly as I can, and be done, so I can make them happy. Then I can, you know, move on with my life. So, um, but what happened was I got a job, mm -hmm. and like a real job, like with real money. Yeah, and, uh, you know. Wasn't one of those at the mall, you know, at sales for Christmas or any one of those kind of things. I had done all those. Uh, 
this is like a real dog with some zeros, you know? Yeah. And you know, it got really good. Um, I did well. Um, there were, you know, I got promoted, there were perks. Um, that it just um you know, I, I did well and my sisters followed in my footsteps. My parents were proud and I looked up and, you know, it was like 20 plus years later mm-hmm. and I was still hanging out there yeah. <laughs> and I was still asking. But the whole time I moved around, um, you know, technical roles, business roles and that sort of thing, because I was still trying to find my fit. Mm-hmm. And even though I did well, because, you know, it's just one of those things. You you're not gonna you you just commit to to making it work and right. that's what I was doing. I was right. doing the things I was expected to do, but I was not doing what I wanted to do with my life. And so what happened was I got invited to uh, one evening actually got a call at home. I was invited to run the women's initiative for this multinational corporation, and mm-hmm. so um, it wasn't really where I wanted to go, but I said yes. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And, you know, in the U.S. and around the world. And here's where the the pivotal moment came for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone actually my, my role was to help get more women to the top on the technical mm-hmm. side, on the business side. Mm-hmm. And um, someone told me no mm-hmm. one night. And I, I was just like, like, did you say no? You want to be at the top? Like, right? she was like, no, I wanted the cost. I have a family. I don't want to be on call, you know, I don't know, 29, eight, you know, beyond just every hour of every day. Mm-hmm. And so while I was shocked by that, I literally completely understood what she meant. And um, then I realized inside that, you know, man, what, where's my dream? I never stopped to ask myself because I was going and going and going for years. And I, you know, I, I began to think about that role model that I was and what I was demonstrating to my sisters. And it was literally how to live the life you're expected to live, not the one you wanted to live. Yeah. There's a lot of disappointment mm-hmm. um, at that time, a lot of success, right. But a lot of disappointment, yeah. um, you know, I, I will, I remember evenings just, you know, crying on the freeway because of things that had happened. And then something on the inside of me would snap and say, Oh no, you're not going out like that. Yeah. (laughs) And this is what you do and this is how you do it. Um, So that is who, you know, a bit of the who, why I do what I do is because I literally believe every woman was born to live in a soulful state of fulfillment, that we really can live life the way we want to live and not we're expected to live. And what I've discovered is that fulfillment is not a fantasy. It's a formula. Mm-hmm. And a major component of that is learning to master your relationship with disappointment yeah. um, and, and literally process through it and not just sweep it under the rug and sweep it under the carpet. So yeah. I know we've all had disappointment because oh, yeah. you mentioned, right? The <laughs> number one cause is uh, misaligned expectation, right? I expected mm-hmm. this, I got that. It doesn't matter if it's personal, you know, be something between you and your girlfriends, uh, it's business. We've all experienced disappointment. And so it's about, you know, learning how to process through it. And why I do what I do is because I do believe we can live life in that that soulful state of fulfillment. And one of the steps to getting there is mastering your relationship with disappointment. Yes. You know, 
you know, I have talked to so many women in just so many different contexts, read books and, you know, just and kind of a constant theme that comes up a lot of times is women not getting over disappointment. Mm-hmm. You know, we we may have disappointments in our relationships, maybe a failed. Rela- I don't like to call them a failed relationship, a relationship that did not go as planned, mm-hmm. uh, a relationship, that's in, whether that's a marriage or just a, a romantic relationship. We can, you know, not get the promotion that we want yeah. at work or not get the recognition that we want at work or not like the people we work with. And all of this kind of can you know result in just being disappointed and then you get to a point where you're so disappointed that you you become defeated and then you quit and then you begin to just accept that you know well this is the way life is i'm never going to love again i'm never going to get the job i want i'm never going to have the business i want you know we kind of get into this i'm never going to have because Mm -hmm. of the things did not go as planned yeah yeah so I know that you have dedicated a lot of, you know, of your career to, or especially in what you're doing, it's your mission now and mm-hmm. helping one of the components, as you said, is helping women to be fulfilled and to feel fulfilled is to mastering their disappointment. So, you know, why did you pick that? What, what got you onto that? Um, you know, how did you figure that out? <laughs> that that's something that women need to do. And, uh, and then what do you do to help women, you know, move through that? Sure. So how I figured it out was through my own journey. Um, you know, as, as I was even just listening to you talk just briefly, there's so many moments that are, you know, flashing through my head Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, it just was, you know, I, it was a, a, an attempt for me to be able to move forward mm-hmm. um in my business um let's just let's just keep it a business right now because um when i was in that space where i needed to answer the question is there more is this all there is mm-hmm. um you know I, I i have what i call my shower moment you know i have my charlie brown moment not yeah. my shower moment so <laughs> my, <laughs> my shower moment was that moment one morning when I hadn't slept very much at all, which happened a lot. Yeah. Um, and I was in the shower because I needed to get to work, you know, worked all night on some things and, you know, working around the world, all the different time zones. And so it just, you know, you, you, you make it work. But I just said to God, you know what? It, you have been so good to me. I've been I'm so tremendously blessed. I don't even know if I have the right to ask this, but mm-hmm. because I feel like there's more because you know, I have that question, is this all there is? There must be. And right. so how do I get to that more? Um, and so, you know, a couple years after that, I walked away from my career, as you mentioned, in 2013. So it's really interesting to believe now it's been like five, five and a half years when I mm-hmm. when I think about it. But on my journey, um, I made a lot of investments in people and products and programs and so on and so forth. And I had these expectations mm-hmm. of what would be delivered for the time, you know, the investment of time and money um, that I was giving. And time after time, um, the expectation wasn't met. Yeah. And so for me, it was disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it got to the place where even on the inside of me, I said, okay, I've got one last breath in me to try again. 
And yet there was something back here that still expected for it not to work. So I started stacking my disappointments and literally building monuments. And mm-hmm. I, because there was just like, you know, a little bit of breath left in my desire to um, start a business, to have an impact on the world and to be able to work with women um, to help them to see, you know, you can live life the way you want to live. It, mm-hmm. You can, you know, go aside, you can step aside from the expectations. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find a way to pull myself out first. Yeah. There was no way I was going to be able to help others if I wasn't, you know, if I was still in the mess, if you will. <laughs> right. Right. And so that whole process literally came from my own journey of moving from what I like to call regret to rebirth and um, going through, you know, literally accepting the things that had happened, learning lessons um, from a healthy place, putting those lessons into practice, um, being able to teach others. And then from there, you know. Uh Uh-oh, it seems that we have lost uh, Kim for a moment. Let's just see if she is going to come back. So I will just continue the conversation going until we figure out what our technical difficulty is. And, you know, that is one of the things that, um, you know, when you are dealing with technology from time to time, you are going to have, uh, you're going to have some (laughs) disappointments from technology. So I'm just going to let Kim know that we lost her, although I'm pretty sure uh, that she um, knows that, but she may have experienced a um, drop in her coverage or something, or her wireless, you know, because sometimes the internet will drop you. So I would just continue going on. You know, one of the big lessons that Kim was beginning to tell us about was, you know, learning from your own disappointments and being able to translate that into being able to help others. So sometimes, you know, your disappointments can lead to not only you being able to help yourself, but helping others. Because, you know, if you are experiencing disappointment, then, you know, others are as well. And so the lessons that you learn for yourself in in being able to, you know, get to master the disappointments and to be able to move forward or actually something that you can help someone else. But, you know, so so that's kind of one key takeaway. And the other thing that I, I hope you heard Kim talk about is recognizing that just because you've been disappointed in one instance doesn't mean that that disappointment is going to continue to show up in other ways. And she was beginning to talk about these whole monuments of disappointment and the monuments we make to disappointment and you know and i can speak to this you know myself in terms of you know how when i look back over my life a lot of times you know i have built um monuments to disappointment meaning you know you you begin to attribute what happened in one situation to something new that's happening presently and even projected on to future situations that have not even, you know, have not even come come to light. So 
you know, if you are unable to master these disappointments and learn to get through them and get past them, then they will continue to influence and impact, you know, what happens to you going forward. So it's really important to do that. And a lot of times, you know, we are very successful and the success is masking the disappointment that we're facing. Because if you heard Kim, um, when she was talking about who's the real Kim Martin, she mentioned how this was a decision that was made for her by her parents in good faith with her best interests at heart. They were trying to be sure that she would, um, you know, be able to take care of herself. And so they recommended that, you know, she have a career that was going to enable her to take care of herself. And she probably did not want to disappoint them, but because what they wanted for her and what she wanted for herself were different, then she ended up bearing the disappointment for a while, even though she was extremely successful in the career path that she chose. So, you know, a lot of times we have to recognize, we have to learn one of the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned um, because I've had a chance to, to learn from Kim in, in her um, formula, if you will, and, and how she helps people to master their disappointments. We were at a conference together in Atlanta about this time last year. Um, about a year ago, and I got the honor of being a participant in her demonstration. So I got to actually walk through her system for dealing with, with disappointments. And one of the, um, the things that, um, you know, I, I really learned was, you know, how important it is to acknowledge, you know, the disappointment and to not be afraid of disappointing others at the expense of disappointing ourselves. That's a little different, a little bit hard, especially as a child trying to please your parents. Because I know my dad, my dad wanted me to be an engineer and he didn't come to me with the Wall Street Journal article like her parents did. But he was like, you know, Seth, you really need to, to do engineering. That's a good profession. That's something that is, uh, you know, will pay well. And, and I really thought for a minute that I wanted to be an engineer because I, at the time I loved math and I loved science, but I loved fashion and creativity. And even though engineering is creative, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't love physics enough to, <laughs> to major in engineering because in order to be an engineering major, I was going to have to take four semesters of physics and four semesters of, of calculus. And I didn't mind taking the four semesters of calculus, but I could not see myself taking four semesters of physics. I hated physics. I loved chemistry. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be a chemical engineer. Now I'm just wondering, can you imagine me as a chemical engineer? Probably not. Uh, I'm probably a little bit too out the box uh, to be <laughs> to be a chemical engineer. But, you know, but I decided that, I didn't really, really want to be an engineer. And at the risk of disappointing my dad, I changed my major. Now, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do because I changed my major eight times. But um, but I did eventually pick a major that that I loved and, and one that I eventually got my, my degree. And my degree eventually was in English because I love to write. 
I love to read, write, and analyze. And an extension of that is my legal practice is, you know, reading, writing, analyzing. And then I also love speaking and being an advocate. So Kim is trying to get back and I'm going to continue to, uh, to kind of carry the conversation uh, until we're able to, um, to get her back on. Let me just send her a quick note. And uh, see if we can get her back on. Oh, I think she's here. I think she's here. So, um, so it looks like she is going to be able to make it back. Yes, there she is. All right. <laughs> Although I'm sure y'all would just, uh, you know, really happy to hear all my scintillating conversation. All right. <laughs> I kept it going. <laughs> oh, but my deepest apology. I am like, what is going on? I've been on. Okay. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens. And I, I and and um, so I was just kind of filling in with pointing out some of the my takeaways from what you had had begun to share, uh -huh. and I was also talking about some of my experiences. I had an experience where my dad wanted me to be an engineer uh, as well, um, but I ended up changing my major. I didn't stick it out. And changed my major three times before deciding on English, but uh, because I just knew that even though I might disappoint my dad, I was going to disappoint myself a lot more had I stayed in chemical engineering because I would have had to take four semesters of physics, which really wasn't for me. Yeah. So, yeah. This is supposed to be a conversation, and I have kind of had a little soliloquy here for the past couple of minutes while we were working through these technical issues, but now we are back, Kim. Is yeah. And so I'm going to turn it back over to you and you can pick up where you left off. So perseverance got us through. Yes. Yes. So I'm not exactly sure where I cut off, but I was just sort of wrapping up saying that, you know, how I got into this was right. literally, yeah, because you, you were beginning to talk about, uh, I think kind of like the, the, the first stages, if you will, of the process of mastering your disappointments. I think it's where you were yes. getting to. Yeah, so I, I literally my uh, my mastering the disappointment within process is four stages, four quadrants. Um, and uh, shall I talk more about each one of them? Or? Sure. Sure. Okay, sure. Oh, great. Yeah. So the the first quadrant has to do with um, acknowledging the things that you had to go through, and mm -hmm. it is not about going back to relive you know, all the emotional parts of it and those components and things, but it is about getting it down because it, mm -hmm. so that you can really begin to clear it out. And so, um, you know, the Bible says a little foxes spoil the vine. So we leave little things there. And I always tell people it's big things. Yes, because big things have these traumatic impacts on our lives, but little things eat away at us little by little by little. And that really where our expectation just sort of, you know, it may start here, but it goes down, 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 down. And it can be in any area of life. Um, yeah. So we start there and we just list those things that caused us regret, those things that mm -hmm. caused us disappointment. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be something that a third grade teacher said, you know, mm -hmm. you, you know, you fail, so you'll never be a writer, you know. Yeah. Well, little did they know, you don't even really have to spell that well to write these things. Right. <laughs> but, but it's just the matter of, 
um, anything that has held you back, anyone, anything, or any situation. Mm -hmm. And it can be very well-meaning people, you know, siblings, parents, grandparents, um, you know, all the way to, you know, I don't know, maybe a bully said something at school. Mm -hmm. But it really is about getting those things down, all the things that you had to go through. And um, and then, so that's actually uh, step number one. And we do this in a quadrant. So it's step or quadrant number one, what you had to go through. Step number two is how you were able to grow through the things you had to go through. So it really is all about looking at it, you know, from a healthy place to see what lessons can you, um, you know, what lessons did you learn from that? And lessons, I, you know, they're one to one or one to many. So um, in a case of a failed, well, we won't say failed, a marriage that um, completed itself. Let's yes. say that. Yes. <laughs> Had an early termination date. <laughs> Had an early retirement. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I read something really interesting that said failure is not final, it's feedback. So even in that that regard what feedback and i love that right what feedback did you get from that relationship that you know completed earlier than you thought or um even in in my case in some of the programs and products and things i invested in you know what feedback came from that and so what lessons did i learn and it's about coming from a healthy place and like i said there um, one to one, you know, one to many in the case of a relationship, you know, maybe you learn that uh, you you should speak up more or maybe compliment right. more, listen to the other person more. So, again, there can be one to one or one to many. And it's about drawing those lessons out and really from a healthy place, not, OK, all men are dogs. I'm never going to date again. Like right. I think you mentioned that earlier, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely not healthy when, especially when you have a desire to be in a in a relationship and one that works. Right. Um, so but, you know, I, think, I, think, I, I just want to just pause for just a second because you know I think a lot of people don't make that transition from like one to two because they may acknowledge you mm -hmm. know what what they what their disappointments are. They may acknowledge what it is that you know they may remember, they may carry that statement with them forever, but they don't mm -hmm. ever really truly get to the point of figuring out, you know, the lesson learned from it and, and, and moving beyond that. Cause a lot of people, I think kind of get stuck right there. Yeah. I'm disappointed. You yeah. said this to me, he didn't do that. I didn't get this. So I mean, we acknowledge it and then we kind of hang out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, we acknowledge it and we hang out there. What happens is, you know, disappointment sort of begins to control us, how we move, how we make decisions, who we talk to, where we go. Mm -hmm. This invisible force that begins to control our lives. And right. it brings along with it bitterness, resentment, mm -hmm. you know, and a whole lot of other things that keep us back and keep us from going forward. And I think one of the things for me and, um, you know, what I had to do in that first quadrant is put my own name down. Because there were things that I had to own up to and I had to take responsibility for. Yeah. Um, for some of just just even for some of the the money I spent. Like nobody ever took my purse and ran away with it and took my wallet and you know swiped it in a card reader or anything like that. I willingly gave. Yeah. Now that would be an anticipation of an expected end or expected right. return. And there, you know, is where the disappointment came from. And so 
for me, it was such that I began to question my own judgment and right. you know, making good decisions, you know, what am I doing? And, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for this entrepreneurial stuff. You know, I know I can go back and, you know, <laughs> but I didn't want to go back. I, I, just, I didn't want to go back. And I, again, I, you know, I was committed to making it work. Yeah. Um, so you're absolutely right. You want to learn those lessons, which is, is part two or quadrant two. And then not only do you want to learn them, um, you know, for example, for me, an example I always give is what I learned is, you know, if you have a, a program or a product, something that's high dollar, mm -hmm. for me, what I found works best if I can sort of pay on delivery or, mm -hmm. you know, pay on completion, like, even if it's like a three pay, like we have right. three milestones. You've completed something, great. You know, you get a third. You completed something, you get a third. You completed something, you get a third. Yeah. Versus where if I give you all the money up front and something goes awry and you don't deliver, you know, then I have the leverage. Really disappointing. Right? Right. <laughs> some things we have to, to, you know, other things you got to put in, in process. But um, so learning that lesson and putting it into practice. Um, you know, not just learning the lessons, but you really want to practice. Again, we're gleaning from a healthy place, things we can, um, you know, be able to move forward differently with. And so in order to do that, you have to put them into practice. And then once you put them into practice, um, you know, it's really all about what you have to go through, how you're able to grow through what you have to go through. Mm -hmm. And then you put it into practice and you start to get some results um, in your own life. And you start to realize those things that you are getting good results from, they become a part of your own personal success formula, how you, um, you know, how you navigate and move, uh, you know, through some of the things that you, you had to go through. So you now have some tools to say, OK, um, this is what I learned. And so because of what I learned, this is how I'm going to go forward. Right. And so that becomes your own personal success formula. But not just for you, you can teach others now. And so that's what I love about it. You can then begin to teach others. Right. So, and then from there, um, it really is, you know, if, when you start to teach others and they get results, you know, you've really got something, right? And it's working for you. And you're in that space where you, well, I love to say this, you help others go through and grow through with someone who's gone through. So, mm -hmm. whereas I felt like I was alone, um, you know, the, the people that I'm able to support in those areas they don't have to go through it alone. Right. So, yeah. Right. Then, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Because I was going to say, you know, um, a lot of times we get, we kind of, you know, you get stuck as, as we're trying to move through these things, you know, we, we get stuck in the, the acknowledging the disappointment and kind of, um, you know, um, and then we get stuck in the lesson learned and we, and we, you know, we get caught up in our own story. I know I used to work with a coach who specialized in, you know, helping people to tell their stories. And one of the things that he talked about uh, was that um, a lot of times we get caught up in the story of our disappointment and it becomes our identity. Mm -hmm. And so that prevents us from moving forward and moving through it because, you know, it, it almost becomes an excuse or a crutch, you mm -hmm. know, that, you know, you, you get so used to telling the story of your disappointment that you miss yeah. out on the story of your success. Right. And, and, you know, um, 
so it's some of the work that I do that that is called a secondary benefit because mm -hmm. you're getting some benefit from holding on to that mm -hmm. while you want to move forward. There's still some benefit you're getting out of being stuck and staying there holding on to it, even if the fact that you get to tell your story and people commiserate with you and they, you know, they they go, oh, you know, woe is you and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so what I know, though, is if you still have that dream in your heart, right, mm -hmm. you're constantly disappointed because the more you tell that story, you continue to reaffirm and reaffirm subconsciously that, you know, you are not going to move forward, that this happened. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, there's there was a stop sign. But what I decided to do is, you know, pitch a tent while I built a house. We dug a foundation. You know, <laughs> this, <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? right. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to say right here. And here's the travesty of that. And this is what I did not want to occur in my life. I read this statistic that said the number one regret people have on their deathbed is they live the life they're expected to live, not the one they wanted to live. Yeah. And so when you get stuck there, right, people, it's okay because they expect, you know, all these horrible things happen. You know, um, you couldn't push through this and that. And they go, well, you've told the story so much. People say, oh, you know what happened? She really wanted to do this, but she couldn't because this happened. And so yeah. it becomes everybody's story about you. Right. right. You have the responsibility for the calling, the purpose, the destiny, the dream that you have in your heart. Irrespective. And I know some hard things happen. I've had some hard things happen to me and yeah. I, I still had to find that way to process through. And it wasn't like, oh, I went through these four quadrants and great. Now I did this yesterday. So cool. Let's get going today. It was a process. Right. A process. Yeah. Months and months and months. Yeah. For me. Right. And I think that's something that people have to uh, appreciate and understand is that it's a process, which means you have to be committed to dis to mastering your disappointments, meaning yes, indeed. Yes. You, know, you can't just think it's going to be, you know, you take a, a quick, it's going to be a quick fix. It's, yeah. it's a habit that you have to relearn or learn a new habit rather yeah. that is going to take you away from that rather than kind of repeating, you know, the same yeah. thing that led you to the disappointment in the first place. Yeah. You know, as I was listening to you tell your story about your parents, and I talked about this a little bit as uh, while we're waiting on you to, to <laughs> get through my big challenges. You know, a lot of times we, don't want to disappoint others and we take on the disappointment for ourselves and yeah. you know i was just sharing in the case of you as a child you know being respectful to your parents that's a really hard break yeah. to make you know to yeah. decide well i'm not going to disappoint my parents i don't want to disappoint my parents so i'm going to do what they ask me to do and that's that's something that a lot of us do mm -hmm. uh, out of respect and love you know love for our parents but you know, when you was it um when you were a child, you act as a child messing up the Bible verse, but you know how you put away childish things and that sort of thing. Y'all roll with me, roll with me. Now I will mess up the Bible verse, but you know where I'm going with it. But yeah. <laughs> my, point, my point is 
you know, it's easier to do things like that when you are young and pliable and and really at a at, in a in a, a position of deference, just given your age and things like that. But when you a grown woman, <laughs> you know, even though you may still love and you know, some people are still trying to please their parents, you know, who as grown yeah. people, or maybe it's your your spouse or your loved one or the people that you respect, you're still trying to please them. You know, at what point, you know, um, when we get grown, we put away those childish things and step into our, a commitment to not disappointing ourselves. You know, one of the things I realized is that um, the responsibility is dual. It's, it's your responsibility um, because of, what you were created to do and be and the value you give to the world. Mm -hmm. But also I think that it's important that parents realize that, you know, and this is what I had, I had a conversation with, I don't know if I had this with my dad, but I definitely had it with my mom. So um, it's like, yes, you were the catalyst, you know, for me being here. Um, However, um, you know, it, it was sort of like the doorway. I love you. I respect you. But yeah. You know, you don't get to like own me. I'm not a thing to be owned in. Mm-hmm. And I have these desires and these goals and these dreams. And, you know, I have to find a way to fulfill them or I have to find some sort of outlet. And, you know, even though I was in technology for all those years um, and, you know, I love singing, acting, all those things. It, it's interesting that once people knew that about me, I would be called upon to make, you know, training videos about program communication switches and like you know really technical things (laughs) so so bubbles its way to the surface yeah my personal room for me right yeah right right (laughs) so i i i told my sisters uh you know and i tell my friends that you know really pay attention to your children like notice what it is you know, they are, they are, they are leaning toward what, you know, what, what drives them and don't necessarily make your child become a doctor because all of his, you know, the fathers, the uncle, the grandfather, everyone else was a doctor because what happens is when we do things like that, you know, ultimately we get to the place where um, we want to correct and get on the path we really wanted to be on. And yeah. And for me, I, you know, we talk about a midlife crisis. This guy got this hot red Corvette or he got a Harley or mm-hmm. I don't know, she got another man, whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't scratch that one, okay? But, <laughs> but I, you know, what I've learned in my experience is I call it a midlife correction mm-hmm. because it's, it's getting them back on the path where we really want it to be. We, we are pursuing that fulfillment. We are in that point in life where we want to begin that journey to fulfillment. And so, you know, that one stat that said that number one, we regret we have on people have on their deathbed, then you can't go back and do anything about it. You absolutely can't. And I feel like as women, whether we're wives, mothers, we are still responsible for what is inside of us to birth it out. Um, and I don't think that we escape it because we have children or we escape it because we have a husband. Right. We are responsible for that. And we are creative and we can, 
you know, someone said to me, multitasking, eh, you know, it's not really real. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know. but we seem to be able to do and manage things, juggle things. And so I still feel like um, there is that place where we are still responsible for that yearning, that calling that burns on the inside of us yeah. and that we are not relieved of that responsibility, which makes us ultra special, right? It just either it's gonna come out and and you know it's either gonna come out in a positive way or it's yeah. gonna come out in a negative way. Yeah. And you know, because I, I was sharing, you know, that one of the reasons that I you know changed my major was even though I loved math and science, I really wasn't passionate about math and science. Mm-hmm. I love reading, writing, being creative, and ultimately advocacy. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it eventually came out and I continued to do that. And, 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 and even in my legal practice, you know, I was finding ways to do the things that I love. I was way too creative for a compliance attorney, which is why, <laughs> you know, because you that. How do you do things and fit in the box? Right. Well, it's killing me because I wanted to be creative and think outside the box. But you think outside the box too much in compliance, you end up in stripes, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, that was why that that part of my career was not as fulfilling and why eventually I found other ways to express, mm-hmm. you know, what it was I love doing. And so, yeah. you know, I think all of us have to really be honest with ourselves about, you know, when are we the most, when do we feel the most fulfilled? What are we doing? And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's advocacy and, and, and being creative and writing. And by the way, y'all, my dog, just in case you're wondering, you can see her. I don't know that. <laughs> She has decided that now is the time that she wants to come play. Wants to play. I see a toy there. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, but she's going to have to wait. Uh, <laughs> I at any time in the C-suite, Zara, my dog, uh, is is bound to join. But, um, but you know, we, we have to be honest with ourselves about when we feel the most fulfilled. And I think that's a question that a lot of us don't truly ask ourselves, you know, when am I the most fulfilled? What am I doing? Yeah. And, and I wish there were a way, you know, to help our young people to tap into that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, you know, it's, it's so hard to know at 18 years of age, 18, 19, what it is you want to do for the rest of your life. You know, because we're asked to declare a major in our freshman year, you know, and I declared eight of them (laughs) (laughs) in two years. I graduated on time. I graduated in four years. (laughs) But, you know, because one of the the, uh, I had a conversation with the millennial, um, I don't know, maybe about a year ago now. And it, it, it was just like a light bulb. And and. He was 35, maybe. I don't even think he was that old. He might, he may have barely been 30 something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had done, at this point in his career, he'd been out of college, not even really 10 years, but he had been in several different jobs and they weren't like progressions of a track. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, the way he described it to me is, 
you know, I see my career as a jungle gym rather than a ladder. Mm -hmm. And because that's the way he saw it, you know, he didn't, he was just trying out different experiences and learning different lessons along the way. And he was just commenting it, commenting on it in the context that a lot of Gen Xers, you know, my, our generation uh -huh. and, and earlier, you know, we were used to doing things on a ladder. You start yeah. your career here and you progress and you go right down is not good. And right. definitely <laughs> off the ladder was not good yeah. at all. And I think, you know, we have to we have to see our lives more like a jungle gym yeah. rather than a ladder and give ourselves permission to go left and right and up and down and recognize that we get a lot of good stuff when we move around like that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I totally agree. And I think even in my career, it's funny. Someone once said that you're like a baby boomer millennial, like a millennial baby boomer or something, because. Because in my mindset, I already told my dad, I will not get the 30-year watch. Yeah. Just yeah. My path, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be my bad. And yeah. so I did move around um, mm -hmm. a lot. And I did do a number of different things. And I, as I look back, I'm grateful that I had you know, managers, mentors, people who could see when in me that, okay, she's about to master this. And we got to give her something else to do. Yeah, probably gonna go somewhere else. And so, hey, girl, we how I was invited to run the women's initiative, and because they were like, you know, we were planning something else for my career after about eighteen months in this role, and you know, my my direct manager was like, well, I can see that you can do this with your, you know, eyes closed, one hand tied behind your back. So let's start planning. Let's start planning and that sort of thing. And when she called me up, that was not what that wasn't even a part of our plan. Mm -hmm. But as it turns out, um, I think it was a part of the divine plan. And um, mm -hmm. it just worked out beautifully and, you know, set me up for where I am today and gave me the experience to work with women around the world. I think there may be maybe one or two you know, continents, land masses where I haven't actually had the opportunity to touch people, right? To work with women. But um, but it, it, it's an amazing experience. It's yeah. tremendous learning. And um, I know what I know uh, from experience and, and doing that. And so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do and mm -hmm. really helping women to, you know, get on that journey to fulfillment, move beyond disappointment, you know, not get stuck at that stop sign as, as we talked about. You don't want to be the corner house, but stop sign because you yep. know, you yeah. so so yeah, it all jungle gym like actually uh, when I was interviewing for one corporation, um, uh, one of the staff members that interviewed me said, well, you know, she looks like she's been a lot of different places and how do we know she's going to stay? And um, so the manager himself fought for me with his own staff members. Mm -hmm. And that person is actually a friend of mine to this very day, like, I don't know, 20, 30 years later. We have traveled the world together. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's been a, that was an interesting journey. But but, you know, in the vein of disappointment, there were those there as well. The fact that I even had to go into that. Right. Mm -hmm. But um you know, life is beautiful. And um, for me, 
I, I, I feel that life is too long to live it unfulfilled. Oh gosh. Yes. And life is all because I remember uh, when you said that, because I, I remember having a conversation with a friend and we were both commiserating on our marriages and, and I had gone through my divorce and he was going through his, but you know, we were just talking about how important it is to be happy. And I said, yeah, life is too short. He said, mm -mm, life is too long. You know, a lot of times we are disappointed because we stay in disappointing mm -hmm. situations. We stay yeah. in jobs we hate. Yeah. We stay in marriages and relationships that are unfulfilled. We stay around the same people who aren't interested in going anywhere and get yeah. upset that we can't go anywhere. Yeah. I think we do have to recognize that, you know, uh, um, you know, just to give ourselves permission Mm -hmm. To be different and to get out the box and jump out the box. And, you know, as a matter of fact, forget the box. The only boxes I like are boxes with gifts yeah. in them. So besides, yeah. <laughs> I want a serious box. I want to be, I want to have my ashes spread. I have a, a place in Rome where I want to have my ashes spread. I don't want so to. You love, you love, love it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Know, we've got yeah. to be committed to not being our own source of disappointment because we won't move or because we're waiting for somebody else or waiting for somebody else's permission to move. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's Renee Brown that said, you know, when we let our light shine, we give others permission, you know, to Mary let their light shine. Thank you. So when we do that, you know, it gives, um, I think inspiration, I think motivation, I think courage, you know, some bravery to others um, to be able to do the same thing, which even if you go back to those four quadrants in that mastering the disappointment within that third quadrant, you know, you're you have done something and you're teaching and you're training someone else. You're bringing someone else along. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I cannot imagine being on my transition bed, that, that feels better to me than deathbed, right? But right. being on my, in, that, in that place and knowing I there was more life left for me to live. There were things I, right. you know, didn't do or get, didn't get to experience. Um, and I, I love, now this I know for sure, it was Miles Monroe, that's it. <laughs> the the most, um, the wealthiest place on the planet is a cemetery because yep. there are like books that weren't written and paintings that weren't painted and yeah. songs that weren't sung, all those sorts of things. And so I think that life is so precious and so, you know, valuable. Like we have this amazing opportunity um, to live it and we have a responsibility and a right, but we should because there's, there's a mark we should leave. It's almost like a, a track meet. You know, you hand the baton to someone else. You hand it to someone else. You hand it to someone else. And it's like, what are we leaving? You know, we all are leaving a legacy regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is, is it by design or by default? Right. And so, I, you know, as you know, my engineering mind is like, okay, I need to design mine. Okay. Right. <laughs> I just don't know. I design and redesign. Yeah, and redesign. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I always love the example of I think it's Formula 454. Uh, uh 409. 409. Thank you. I knew 
I think about four <laughs> times 44, 54, anyway, 409. 409, yes. Formula 409 literally was the 409th attempt. Right. To create that formula. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I mean, what if they had stopped at, because most folks would have stopped at 10. I mean, they yeah. kept on going over and over again till they literally got to the 409th reiteration of what they were doing ended up being the one that worked. And so we got to be willing to go to 409 yeah. to get, get to our you know, asking myself, Was it that or was it WD-40? Doesn't actually really matter. The yeah. point is the same, right? Yeah. I think, I think it is 409 because I think it's okay. yeah. But but I was getting WD-40 and then there's some four, there's some 454, some is 54, but anyway. <laughs> the, the number indicated, right? The right. number of times it didn't work plus one, right? right. They didn't stop. They didn't stop. That's right. They didn't stop. And so that's the key. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, the thing is just to understand that there will be other disappointments that are likely to come your way because there are likely to be other um situations scenarios relationships where you expected one thing and it was a different outcome right but you have right. to process through it um like literally now i can say okay here's what happened what did i learn from it mm -hmm. you know what can i put into practice and how can i move forward with whatever that was it can be a matter of 10 15 20 seconds you know, right. you can literally be able to process through it and not get hung and not get stuck yeah. So you just kind of disrupt that that opportunity to get stuck, you know, just interrupt it and move past it and go forward. And so um, that that is the thing I love just because I want to see people and I particularly want to see women fulfill their purpose, fulfill their calling and be really fulfilled in life the way they're living their lives. And mm -hmm. so I do realize that's a vital part of getting to that place of fulfillment. Yeah. Yes. Well, of course, I'm disappointed that we have gotten to the end. <laughs> the end of the hour. And, and as these conversations always go, you know, we could go on and on, um, you know, talking and uh, because, you know, it, it's it, it's there's so many things that we can learn. Of course, we have just uh, what do you call it? Skimmed the uh, the tip of the right. iceberg as it relates <laughs> to the, the depth of the work that you do in helping mm -hmm. women in particular to get through this. So I would love, of course, if you would share with our audience how they can get in touch with you, how they can work with you even in helping to master their own disappointments and as well as any, anything else you may have going on. Sure, you bet. Um, I'll start and go backwards. Um, you know, anything else I have going on right now, I'm super excited and super blessed um, to be um, running the Successful and Fulfilled Digital Summit. And um, it is really all about helping women to not just be successful, but to be fulfilled. And, you know, I talked about that fulfillment formula. And so if anyone, um, I invite everyone over to successful and A-N-D, successful and fulfilled summit.com um, to register. You go, you can go to that, um, that site and get more information um, and register. Uh, we've had some phenomenal faculty trainers uh, all around, you know, centered around helping women to live um, successful and be fulfilled. Um, and so that's one way um, uh, people can get in touch with me on Facebook. I am Kim W. Martin um, on Facebook. Feel free to 
message me, um, you know, or you can actually, um, you know, you can text me um, at, uh, I always, this number is such weird for me. I got a new number here. So, um, <laughs> um, so it's 669-233-0478. Literally, if they text C-Suite, Okay. Six six nine two three three zero four seven eight. I'll say it again. Uh, C suite to six six nine two three three zero four seven eight. I will be more than happy to talk more about um, the mastering the disappointment within methodology um, and literally share even more about the um, fulfillment formula uh, as well. Uh, which um, as we progress through the summit, I'm also going to be talking more about. So come away. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I was, I was trying to put, for some reason, my comment box has stopped working. So, but I'll make sure that I go back and put it in yeah. in, the, in the comments live. Got some um, minions or something in there, right? <laughs> we just have a lot of technical issues today, but we have made it through. So but we will not be denied. <laughs> we will not. So. Right. I do want to thank you so much for joining. It's so been it's been great to reconnect. I miss you. <laughs> we were seeing each other at different conferences uh, for quite a while, and now it's it's been. Um, I guess I haven't seen you since over in the summer, sometime, huh? I can't can't even remember. Maybe it was maybe about six, seven months, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah. hopefully, it'll be this long before we connect again. But I Absolutely. do think joining me here in the C-suite and, and thanking you so much for the work that you're doing to help us all master our disappointments <laughs> and most of all to be successful and fulfilled. Not successful <laughs> right. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. And I just want to you know thank you as well for the work you do. Um, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be here with you this evening. And um, yeah, like let's connect. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not let it be so long but you know thank you so much for what you're doing and helping women um to even be the ceos of their lives and their own destinies and their purposes and so i am blessed by what you do as well thank you thank you all right well until next time i will see you and thank you so much for joining me here in the c-suite awesome all right, y'all. Well, I hope that you enjoy hearing from Kim. She is so awesome. And it is always a pleasure to connect with her. And it's always great to hear different perspectives on the different things that influence our relationships. And certainly mastering disappointment affects us in a relationship and disappointments from relationships impacts us. So I hope that you took lots of great notes and that again, you are committed to doing something because it's not in the conversation. It's in the moves that you make. And I just, before we leave, want to remind you that today's episode was brought to you by Deciding on Joy, my journey from breakup to breakthrough in 30 days. And of course, written by yours truly. And it is a book that helps you to master disappointments after divorce or any kind of breakup. So it is a process as well. So I encourage you to go over to www.decidingonjoy.com. And the book is also available on Amazon. 
So we have come to the end of our conversations from the C-suite. And it has been my pleasure being here with you. And I want to remind you that if you want to see previous episodes of Conversations from the C-Suite, you can go over to csuitewomen.tv. Again, that's csuitewomen.tv to catch this episode again, as well as previous episodes. So thank you so much for joining us. And remember, we want you to feel something learn something, but most of all, we want you to do something. You've got to make those CEO moves, create your circles of influence, educate and empower yourselves for elevation, operationalize what you learn so that you can optimize your outcome. Because whether you report to a CEO or you are the CEO of your own business, you are always the CEO of you. So until next time, I am Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, your host for Conversations from the C-Suite, the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. And remember, the power is not in the conversation, but in the moves you make. So don't just talk about it, be about it. Make sure you do something, but don't wait. Wait broke the scale. Now is the time for you to do what you know needs to be done. And lastly, remember your life is the product of your choices. Choose to be the CEO of you. Until next time.